Uh, here, real quick. Tell everybody your name. Rio Robinson. This is a famous right. fan right here. Rio. This is our uh, guy that was dancing with Jason Wright. Yeah. At the, uh, and Rio's at the, got his own podcast and everything. Um, what was your favorite moment tonight? I think it was the Pyrotechnic Laser Show because we don't see stuff like that here. Not what I was expecting, but all right. Good oh, answer. Oh, okay, but if I want to give you a football one, Deami Brown looks like the real deal, and he looks like a legitimate option on the outside opposite Terry. How much did you enjoy tonight? Oh, it was excellent. It was excellent. The vibes, the transparency, the accessibility of everybody, Jason, Tanya walking around. The fans seem happier here than they've been in a long time. I agree with that. that. fits that in perfectly to what we were talking yeah. about, Rio. Two things. One helped. It was perfect weather. Mm-hmm. It was a nice breeze. wasn't too hot. And it, 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 the vibe was really good. Thank you. This is President Jason Wright, and you're listening to Ramblin' About Washington. Washington Football Nation, it's your boy Rio, and we're back with another episode of the Rambling About Washington podcast. I ain't done an intro in a minute. These last couple weeks have been excellent bucket list type weeks for me. I spent the whole week out in Richmond at camp every day, soaking in all the vibes, meeting all of Washington football, Twitter content creators, all of the staff. A lot of players, families, it's just been an excellent couple weeks for me. And I got to spend Friday at the tasting event in the Friday night football event at FedEx Field. I want to thank Joey Kobe Bekovich, Jason Wright, Ms. Victoria, Maggie Wesley, and all of the Washington football team staff that have shown me nothing but humility, acceptance, and just a family close-knit environment. I couldn't be more excited about what's to come here for Washington football. Hopefully we have a name in a couple months, but we're not even going to go there today. We're not going to go there. Things are pointing north and we have our first taste of preseason football for 2021 coming up on Thursday versus the New England Patriots. And I'm going to get deeper into that preseason game on Thursday with one of our YouTube Washington football team goats. My guy, Juan Gotti talking sports. But today, I got my guy, Grant Paulson from 1067 The Fan, formerly of the beat on the Washington football team. We come, we talk about his love story and fan story for the team. And we talk about the current culture, the quarterback room, and a little bit more. And we get a little lightning round going at the end. Y'all are going to appreciate seeing Grant outside of his radio bag. He's a cool dude, man. I promise you, he's easy to kick it with. Just get over the fact that he likes Kirk Cousins. I like Kirk Cousins too. But I'm going to get straight to it. So without further ado, let's pod. Tonight, I'd like to welcome to the Rambling About Washington podcast, the host of Grant and Danny on 106.7 The Fan, my guy Grant Paulson. Welcome to the show. Real, what's up, man? How you doing? I am doing excellent, man. How are you feeling right now, man? I'm chilling. I'm ready for football season. Feeling good, man. Everything's good. Hell yeah. I can smell the wings, the pig skin, and the <laughs> fantasy football drafts coming right up on us real soon. Let's get straight to it. Friday night football, training camp in Richmond. What were your biggest takeaways that you got or being around the team and the vibe and the environment? 
Yeah, so having just been out at Friday Night Football, obviously I wasn't able to make the trek down to Richmond with the time of the show and everything, but being at FedEx, first things first, you know, getting to talk to the guys on the air as much as we have, I think they feel really good about picking up where they left off. You know, we talk and debate on the show a lot on the family and Danny, like how much does a run at the end of a season help or matter? Does momentum carry over? We kind of, you know, sometimes guess and speculate if it does or doesn't, but I think the players are talking as if it's going to, but I also like at the same time that, that they're not going to rest on last year. They feel like they have to reestablish themselves for the fans. They feel like they need to prove themselves again. So the vibes are good based on, getting to the playoffs, pushing Tampa in a way that no one else really did. But I think they're really hungry, and, and that's awesome. There's also just been a lot of good competition. You know, they had such a good offseason. There's a handful of spots on this roster where we're not really sure who's going to start or how the playtime is going to be divvied up. So I'm excited about that. I know you weren't able to make the trip out to Richmond. I was there for the entire week. I, I Trust me, I, I got enough Richmond in for all of us. <laughs> but th- doesn't it just feel different? It feels different this time, right? It does. Yeah. We, we can look at the record. Like I mentioned at the end of last year, right? Rivera's first year, seven and nine. And Jay did that a few times, obviously. But there is something very obviously that that is trending in the correct direction right now. And I think it's one of those things. It's one of those like I like the saying, if you know, you know, it's one of those deals where you've been around this squad. You followed this like you have, like I have for years and years and years. You can just tell, man, it. it it's uh, it's positive, and it, it there's a hope, there's an optimism that comes from time to time. There was certainly some of those feels early in Shanahan or when Gibbs came back, and and they kind of slowly went away. But before they did, you know, the the trend was going in the right direction. We had that right now, I think, in this town. Um, part of that is that people really believe in Ron Rivera. I believe, more importantly, perhaps as much as anything else. You know, there have been a lot of changes made to the organization. There's a lot of people that are out from when I was on the Daily Beat and a lot of people that are in now um, who weren't here before. And I think that that gives you a chance. So I'm kind of excited to see where the whole thing goes. Yeah, I I feel like I've had optimism before the season because with this team, we always we always trick ourselves into like J.P. Finley always says Ashburn syndrome our way into believing that we're something that we're not. This actually feels like a legitimate good team like even without a staple at the quarterback position it feels like we should be able to win a good amount of games and possibly win the division again which no one does since like 04 and have you been able to meet Joey Kobe Bagovich and Jason Wright and those guys yet so I have met Jason Wright uh he's been on the show a few times it's been awesome to be around um him and and to see what he's providing um I think between Jason and Julie and I mean, it, it goes way beyond that. Right. I mean, we could name a bunch of people behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. In the organization, oh, for but, sure. Um, there's been so much turnover. There's so many new, fresh ideas. I think it all matters. I think it's all good. Um, but I'm with you. Like we, we have had optimism in the past. I know the analogy I always like to kind of use is the Charlie Brown kicking the football, right? Where <laughs> yep. You go up and you're like, all right, here's the time. And you're ready to kick it. And then the, the damn thing gets pulled out. <laughs> and so I think there's certainly people that are afraid to swing their legs. There's certainly people I think that are not going to maybe be completely invested. They want to see it to believe it. I respect that. I'm not going to get upset at anybody who wants to feel that way. I totally understand it, but um, they've got a shot right now. You know, they've got, 
the personnel, the roster in a good place. They've got a coach and a coaching staff that whatever you think of Rivera and his staff, I think the jury's still out on him a little bit as a head coach in the big picture, frankly. But I mean, he's a pro, like he is a legitimate NFL head coach. And his so staff yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And then uh, you you move to the front office, and and again, you can pick nits or talk about this draft class or that move that Marty Herney made or Martin Mayhew made. But those are NFL executives. Those are guys who have run teams. Those are guys that are respected around the league. So all of those things, plus the changes they've made, just in the front office overall, um, th- there's a lot of reason I think to be optimistic and to. I don't, I don't even like that word as much as hopeful. Like that's where I am. That's my wife's a season ticket holder. And she has hope that this time is different. It, 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 it definitely feels different because like that word culture that we keep saying and we keep hearing in two off seasons with the team, Ron Rivera has cleaned up so much culture from two decades worth of shit show circus, like antics and, it just feels so different going into this season. And we're going to we're gonna get deeper into the roster, the preseason matchup at first like that. I want to hear your fan story, though. I want to hear how you got into the team, what made you fall in love with this crazy-ass franchise, and what's kept you around through all these years of ineptitude. Because there's there's some type of sickness that keeps us all here. Oh, it's crazy, man. You know that. So... I mean, for me, it goes all the way back to when I, my earliest memories are watching then Redskins games with my mom. Um, my mom is still today a massive Redskins fan um, and now Washington football team fan. But she grew up with that team. It was her and her dad watching the games. That's what they did. That was a big part of their relationship. As you get older, you kind of have more of an understanding you know, as an adult of like what the relationships your parents had with their parents were like. And it was very clear that in their family, like that meant something to them. There, um, she was from, she grew up in the Rockville area in Maryland and watching games with my mom as a young kid. That's the earliest sports recollections I have, but probably like the earliest childhood recollections I have. I, I don't mention my father, but he would be around watching those games as well. He was not nearly as big of a fan. And on Sundays, he would kind of be, you know, in the yard tinkering or doing stuff. He, he was, you know, he would sit down and watch the games for a quarter or two and kind of make fun of that they were losing or whatever. But it was really me <laughs> and my mom and my siblings that did it. And to, to the, all the way up through when I started getting credentialed and covering games and like I couldn't sit at home and watch them because I was on the road flying to different towns or, you know, at FedEx field, like me and my mom would get together to watch those games. That's kind of how it started for me, like a just a family love. But I mean, it was like an addiction for like so many people, right? It, <laughs> it was not a Sunday from one to four thing. Like it was a week long, every week thing all fall. And then when the fall gave way to winter and the playoffs came and went and they weren't in it, then I was right back after it. And I'm scrolling, you know, NFL draft stuff and I'm looking up <laughs> who they might take. And then when free agency came, I'm tracking you know, where the Jets going and who they're picking up. And like that used to be at midnight that free agency started. I'm staying up all night. Like this is my whole like teenage years. Right. And this team was not good, but I didn't necessarily, I wanted them to be, but I need them to be like, I would watch games differently. I would watch games for how many catches and yards Moss or Cooley had, or how many carries. (laughs) It had to be like that. (laughs) You know, you, you don't, they go six and 10, but like you find ways to like anything to kind of, enjoy it um so 
you know, and that was kind of how it all started for me. I got really lucky, um, not to bore everyone, but my backstory in, in a nutshell is that around 10 years old, um, I started, and I'll use covering in air quotes here because I wasn't really. Hmm, you're a child prodigy. <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but at 10 years old, I started getting credentialed through Channel 9 in Washington, went to training camp, interviewed the players, and that was the 99 team that uh, won the division, you know, went to uh, Tampa Bay in, in January 2000 after beating Detroit at home, the only home playoff win at FedEx Field still. Um, so I, I was like in Tampa for that, and I was on Channel 9 throughout training camp and the season for that. Um, and that kind of hooked me, right? When you have that kind of access and you're around a team like that. At that age, that's crazy. Dude, and I mean, that's I, actually, I, that's like the season I got into. I was eight years old that year. And yeah, so I that's was, the first year. you now, 31? I'm, I'm going to turn 30 in October. Okay. So, yeah. So you're like two-ish years younger than me. So, dude, that season, and you can speak to this, but like that 99 year was like Brad Johnson. Stephen Davis. For, 4,000 yards. I fell in love with Steven Davis. Like got me, I'm a, I'll be a fan in 20 years. Cause like Steven Davis ran for 1456 that year. <laughs> Absolutely. Like wearing that 48, um, Albert Connell on the outside with Westbrook both went for a thousand. That was the number two offense in the league. And, and their defense was you know not great, but was pretty opportunistic and good. And they had some decent players. I still remember like the first play of that playoff game against the lions at FedEx. It's the most packed I've seen that place. Like definitely the best environment I've seen maybe once or twice since like the 2012 game against Dallas, maybe the 15 playoff game against Green Bay. But um, Greg Jones had a sack for a loss of seven on like the first play of that playoff game. And I remember, you know, I'm a little kid in the press box. I'm not allowed to make any noise, but inside I was screaming, you know, just <laughs> losing my fake voice internally. So, yeah, I grew up loving this squad. People still ask me, like, are you a fan? Are you not a fan? Like, I don't really rock gear. Um <laughs> because like, you know, you have a job I, to do. <laughs> I was on the beat, you know, it just changes it forever. I, I covered the team. You kind of see how the sausages make. Actually, this is kind of weird, but I'm just standing in my basement. Cause we had to behind the curtain here. We, uh, my computer wasn't working. So I'm using my phone now. So I'm standing like, this mm -hmm. is like 1999 right here, bro. This is oh man, my first game I'm credentialed to in a freaking hat. Like look at the journalistic integrity there. Hey, you were built for uh, this, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing a freaking team hat. So that shows you like, <laughs> and then like, you know, through the years getting to like interview some of the players and stuff like that at the facility. So yeah, I, I when you get that taste at the water fountain and it gets kind of taken away, you're like, I'm, I want to do this forever, you know? So that's kind of how things started. Weren't you able to like the swing, like a, like a David Letterman segment out of that? Yeah. So it's funny. So that, so that all started when I was like 10, the local stuff in DC. Mm -hmm. Um, the Letterman stuff came about, um, a few years down the line. So right between like ages 11 or 12 and 17, I did, um, like six hits, uh, six appearances on the Letterman show kind of scattered every several months. And that was always like, based on whatever's going on nationally in sports, they'd fly me up. If somebody canceled last second, you know, they'd tell me at night, fly me up in the morning, tape at like five 30 and, uh, would go up, stay in New York for the night, and come home. But uh, yeah, it was coolest thing I got to do with that was I went to the Super Bowl, um, Super Bowl 36 in New Orleans. It was actually Brady's first Super Bowl, the first year of Tom Brady. Wow. So it was a uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it was 13 point underdogs. Patriots like Rams were heavy favorites and the Patriots beat them. Um, and I went there that week for a Letterman show and I did like, you know, jokes for them and they had joke writers come with us and like we'd go up to players and mess with them and stuff as like a little 11 year old kid. So 
I'm sure they thought I was a pain in the ass, but uh, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Yeah, man, that sounds like an awesome time. I don't know why I remember this, but I remember reading something like a while back um, when you were like doing the Letterman thing. You had a moment with like Joe Montana or Franco Harris, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a funny <laughs> thing. So, I mean, like I said, so that week uh, I was just a kid. So my, one of my parents came, uh, my mother, and my father, I'm not sure which. And then it was like me and a parent and like a couple camera people and audio people and then a joke writer. So like every event we went to all week, we were in New Orleans from like Monday to Sunday, putting together this package for the Letterman show. They would send these joke writers. And so we would go to like the player access and they'd have me go up and, you know, they'd shoot video of like Roman Pfeiffer was like a linebacker for the Patriots, like helping me with my geometry homework and like all kinds of funny stuff. But yeah, the, 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 what you're referencing is um, there was a skit they had me do where Joe Montana and Franco Harris were on stage. Um, two legends, all of famers, like greats. And uh, and so right after this event, they're like on stage and I walk up to them and I'm like, hey guys, how about an autograph? And they're like, yeah, no problem. That's great. So I take out a notepad and kind of open it. I'm like, who do I make it out to? And, uh, <laughs> and they're just like, are you kidding? Like, so they didn't know, they're not in on it, right? So they're just get their natural reaction. So it's a bunch of stuff like that where people are watching at home. They're like, this kid is a jerk, you know? But like, <laughs> But that was a bit. <laughs> yeah, it was just a bunch of jokes they wrote for me that were really funny when they set them to music and put it together in like a four minute package to air on his show uh, the night after the Super Bowl. I mean, what was it like going back to school and you're hanging around, let you're, you're doing commercials with legends and shit like uh, yeah. did, how, how did like, your friends and shit react to that? Bro, it was so the first thing I'll say is most people did not care. <laughs> <I> mean, that, <laughs> That's very real. Like my friends, if they're, they're tight with me, like knew what I was doing. And I would, I told them and like, they're, you know, I don't even think at that time, like text messages were a thing. It sounds like I'm dating myself, but like I got back and they're like, Oh, that was so cool. Like, did you meet this person, that person? But, like by and large, nobody cared, you know, to the point where I did a thing with a bunch of the cheerleaders for the Patriots mm -hmm. and they're like surrounding me. And it, you know, I'm 11 or 12 year old boy and a kid. And I got like these 13 or 14, like beautiful cheerleaders around me. And they want me to, they're like, the guy's like, all right, shout out one of the girls. Do like, do you have a girlfriend? I'm like, no, they're like, shout out one of the girls you have a crush on at school for this joke. You know, this joke's going to be, this is a personal message to, and you say your name and like, uh, who's sorry now, huh? You know, who, so the joke was like this, they wanted me to say like, someone turned me down for a dance. Now who's sorry. And all these cheerleaders are like high-fiving me and doing their pom-poms <laughs> on my head. Uh, but I didn't want to out anybody or like pick a random girl. So I had to like make up a name, but yeah, nobody, nobody really cared, but I'll, I'll say the teachers thought it was tight. Like all the teachers, cause they watch Letterman, you know, when you're in middle school, no, no fifth, sixth grade kid is really watching Letterman, but like the teachers, they know who Dave is. They know how big a deal that is. So they would ask me all the questions. Like the kids didn't really care. All right. So as you got into the local beat and you started covering the team specifically straight out of Ashburn, did like your love for the team like like slowly fade away and it became a job or like it's it's still there. It just doesn't shine as bright as when you were younger, but it might change if they win it all or something. Uh, I'll say this. I mean, my love for ball has not changed at all. OK, like I get just as excited at twelve fifty eight before a one oh five kick today as I did when I was seven years old. Like, I mean, that. I mean, NFL Sunday ticket or red zone, let's say I'm, when I'm sitting in my basement here with the two screen setup, like when, when that 
countdown clock is at like one minute on Sunday and I'm about to get red zone. They're going to look at all the game. Like I, I, I feel like a, like a kid about to get his favorite candy handed to him. Like, yeah, I mean, exactly. I love ball. Now my fandom for the team. Yeah. It changes. Obviously. I mean, you have, you're butting heads with people. You have people in the organization that are mad at you that are upset about different stories. You're either breaking or working or whatever. And like, it's not personal, but it, it it's, it just, I, the only way I can describe it is it, it, it is, it's not work. I always say it beats working for a living, but like, it's, it's my passion. It's what I love, but like your fandom changes. I went from a point where I can't wear gear for like those four years. I still don't rock gear. I mean, I wear caps jerseys. I wear Nat shirts. I don't wear anything burgundy and gold, but do I want them to win every game? Yeah. Am I on text chains with 20 season ticket holders that I'm tight with? Of course. <laughs> Am I tailgating with people at FedEx field before games and talking shop like I would be if I was not in the media? Yeah. I mean, so people can say what they want. Like, are you a fan? Are you not a fan? I, I'm, I'm in the business of the team doing well and helping me out. I love football. And I think more than anything else, what you do is you, you see which players it's important to, which coaches are really, really good people. And like you kind of root for those people while covering the team in as um, fair and balanced and an unbiased way as possible. Oh, yeah. And obviously, if the team, the team success relates directly to what you do. So your job is better, easier, and the ratings go up if the team is making deep runs in January and February. So I can get where you're coming from from that. And you mentioned the words burgundy and gold, which is like a perfect segue to the next part. I did a hit with Lake Lewis in D.C. last week for his after-practice podcast. We dropped a little snippet today of that piece. And in that piece, he says, from a fan's perspective, from a young fan's perspective, if the team was to go away from the burgundy and gold colors and kind of do what the rest of DC is doing and rock a red, white, and blue colorway instead of burgundy and gold, how would it affect me? And to me personally, I know the team's not going to change from burgundy and gold, but it wouldn't affect me. I was born in 91. Three months after I was born, they won a Super Bowl and they've been bad for the rest of my life. I have not one time seen an 11-win season. I've also never seen us advance from the divisional round. So I don't know why the hell the colors of the uniform, the logo, or the name of the team would resonate so deeply with me that I would be so offended or emotional about it. I know everybody's experiences are different, and I'm not speaking for the fan base because I'm Mr. Fan Ambassador. I'm speaking from my personal fan experience. And... That's how I feel about the name, the colors, and all that. What do you feel about that situation? Um, I think it's a good point. I think I probably agree with you. I mean, look, my preference, if, if I'm calling the shots, they bring me into the office and they say, hey, what are we doing? I mean, I'll probably ride with burgundy and gold and stick with it. Um, I would have absolutely no issue if I woke up tomorrow and I heard they're changing their colors to go with what the Nats, Wizards, and Caps wear because everyone else in town is you know, traditional like red now. I, I would have no problem with that. They obviously have said they're not going to do that. Jason, yeah, Jason Wright confirmed it. Yeah. Yeah. He said on my show on a bunch of places like Burgundy and gold is staying, but I, I mean, so I, I'm cool with that to your point. Uh, I think that, you know, if you are old enough to have been at the parades to have watched the Super Bowls, it might resonate and mean more to you. I mean, my thing with the name, I throw the colors in the logo, whatever. 
whatever it's going to be is going to be weird to me initially. Oh, like yeah. It could be the best name in the world. I could love it. It's going to be weird. Oh, it's yeah. never been that. It's not really going to be that initially. So whether it's Guardians, like Cleveland just did, or whether <laughs> it's Red Wolves, or, or I don't like whatever it is, that's what they're going to be. And in 15 years, it's not going to be that weird anymore. Like, I'm exactly. just going to be going to their game. I so mean, 365 I, days later, Washington football team, even though I hate it, it sounds regular and it comes out normally now. But it took a year to get there. <laughs> right. Exactly. And look, I, do I want that? No, I don't. I, I need a name. Not. Like, I want a name. Yes. I'm, I'm over this Washington football team placeholder. <laughs> like, it's fine for part time, momentary. Get us to the end of the, the uh, rainbow here. But like. I want a name. Having said that, if they said tomorrow it's Washington football team, we're riding with it. Like, I don't like that. I don't care. You know, I care about Chase Young getting a sack. I care about uh, Terry McLaurin going for a buck. I care about Antonio Gibson ripping a runoff and like Ron Rivera having him ready on Sunday. Those are the things I care about. So if they're the, uh, you know, pick a, pick a name. I I just, I don't want to say I don't care, but I will get used to whatever it is. And, whether I like it or not is irrelevant to me. Yeah, that's how I feel too. Like my preference is wolves, not red. I think we need to just let R and red go, let go of all the most of the old and just go with Washington wolves. And I would prefer the team have like a, a deeper burgundy uniform with like Vegas gold instead of mustard gold. But I don't see it going there. I think the burgundy and gold is going to stay. I think they're actually going to pick a name. But the only thing I care about for the most part is a sustainable, professional, winning Damn good culture, like Bruce said, but an actual one, not just winning off the field like you guys have your segment and do. But we're going into 2021. We got the old man, the journeyman, the Harvard man himself, Mr. Ryan Fitzpatrick, starting quarterback for us this year. Do you believe that he'll get through the full season as the starter or is the quarterback carousel going to begin like we're used to here? I, I think that's a great question. I think he will play 14 or 15 games. He'll maybe miss a couple with an injury, I'll say. Um, obviously, they, they got 17 on the slate, longest schedule ever. Um, I believe that that is partially because he's going to play well enough in spurts that the juice is worth the squeeze, right? The upside is going to kind of outweigh or, or uh, equalize the downside, which is going to be problematic and negative at times. But I also, I don't think Taylor Heineke is what a lot of people in the fan base think he is. I really enjoyed watching him at the end of last year, the December game against Carolina, the quarter he played was impressive. And I kind of was taken aback. Um, you fast forward to the Tampa Bay playoff game. It was incredible. I, I was blown away by how well he played one of the coolest things ever. I don't think that's authentic to what he would be. And I only say that in answer to the Fitzpatrick question to say, real that I think that um, if they had another option that was a viable option, I might answer this question differently. Like, I think Allen, honestly, if he's healthy, is probably a better NFL quarterback option than Heineke. Um, not to say that Heineke's a scrub. I, I just, I think Allen's done it to a, a more a regular con- you know, extent at the NFL level. Mm -hmm. And I think Fitz ends up getting the call week after week because he gives them their best shot. It's why he makes 10 times as much financially. It's, you know, it's why he keeps getting these bridge opportunities. Like 
he can run an offense. He's a leader. People in the locker room respect him and he knows where to go with the ball. So there's going to be really good. There's going to be really, really bad. I think there might be a time where he gets benched, you know, once, twice, a couple times this season and, and Heineke or Allen or whoever comes in, but then they go back to Fitz the next week. And I think in the end, you know, he starts the vast majority of their games. I mean, I'll take it. Like, you know, there's a full experience when it comes with Fitz Magic. You know, it, it comes full circle every time. I know everybody wants to take these last three years in his PFF grades that compare to Rodgers and Brady's. Those are outliers. You don't see a guy for 17 yeah. years and hone in on a couple years of a little bit better than he was in the rest of his career. You know what I'm saying? But I will take what he offers us more than what Dwayne and Alex offered us every day on the week and twice on Sundays because he's actually going to take chances and we're going to be fun on offense this year. So we're looking at a year from now, 2022, when the Washington Blanks open the season. If you had to put all your money and your savings account on it, who is starting for the Washington Blanks in week one, 2022? <laughs> I love that question. Um, I'm going to say Derek Carr. Ooh. Yeah. Mm. It, I, here's why. Like, he's a random guy. He's a placeholder for whatever. Like, for, that to me is the type of quarterback they're going to be seeking. It's the Matt Stafford deal next year for the guy that's on his way out of an organization. So whether that's Carr with the Raiders or, you know, we might be able to find a better one, but I, I don't think they'll be able to get Rogers. I think they'll try. <laughs> that would be amazing, but there's would, no reason. I'd, to... I'd cry. I'd cry. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> it's not, a, we shouldn't spend a lot of time talking about that. He'll be in Denver. He'll be somewhere where good things happen. Out west. Um, <laughs> and so at that point you kind of go to the next level, like Deshaun Watson, I'd love to say, I think that would actually be a good answer for that question. I just can't in good faith answer that right now tonight as we don't know is he going to have charges brought against him i mean there, there's an alley 20 allegations of impropriety where we're in a culture where they they just you know had to spend 10 million dollars because of the toxicity and how they treated women so that would have been to me a perfect fit otherwise um you know, people move on fast in, in in society it seems like and, and if he is cleared and, and there's only civil uh, cases against him and nothing legal. I could see him finding a new team next offseason. I just think it'd be a tough sell here. Um, so that's where I go to like the Derek Carr caliber of quarterbacks who are leaving their team and who need a home and they're starters. Um, they're better than, you know, playing the draft lottery in the middle or late part of the first round where Washington could be picking. Uh, so I, I would say something like that. I think Derek Carr, that's a good answer because that's exactly the caliber of quarterback that we need to win here. And like, I don't, I'm not like, of course getting a Rogers or Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson would be like absolutely insane. I'd probably live stream myself crying tears of joy <laughs> if yeah. we would acquire one of these guys, but I just don't realistically see it, but we better at least make the call for those guys. I think more realistically though, we're going to have to make a trade up in the first round for a young quarterback next year, like Spencer Rattler, how one of these guys we need to make the call for when it comes to the first round next year, because I don't know how many years we can sit back and say, look at us. We have a great defense because I don't care what anybody tells you. Defense does not 
win championships in today's league to me. Like, it helps win championships in today's league. Nine out of ten teams that are going to win the Super Bowl have a great quarterback. The, the Nick Foles are and Flacco's, they happen once or twice a decade. And you have to have a great quarterback to compete. What do you, what do you feel about that? I, you're preaching the choir. I mean, I'm, I'm 100% with you. I, I kind of, you know, co-sign everything you just said and, and uh, verbally retweet, I guess. Um, <laughs> everything that you just said. Yeah, I, you know, it's not that you're wasting your time building with defense. I think it is a worthwhile endeavor and what they're doing is smart. And you raise your floor. You're going to compete. You're going to be a playoff caliber team. But until you have a championship piece at QB, um, you don't have a shot. I really believe that. Like a lot of people are very, very excited about this year and they should be. This is a well-built roster. Um, what gives me pause and what keeps me from really jumping <laughs> totally to the pool is the QB <laughs> position, right? I mean, it, it just doesn't happen in this league that you go get a journeyman and all of a sudden you go on a magical carpet ride. Like there's three times I can basically find that in like the last 25 years in football. So I'm with you. Uh, I like the idea of, of trading up for a rookie. I would have been all about that this year for the record if they oh, could have gotten too. up to the very top of the, you know, the top three. It would have cost a ton. And to, to try to, you know, convince people of that now after what happened with Griffin is, is very difficult. But I don't think you, you can stop swinging. You know, it's like talking to your buddy after he gets cheated on or broken up with or something like yeah. you, you can't stop dating. You, you can't stop calling and texting and, and just sit in your house by yourself. Now you got to keep playing the game until you find the right one. Um, and I, you know, I would have liked to have done that this year, but I do think the way that they're built, the the cap space that they have kind of the, the roster with the youth on defense that they have, like there is a window here where if they could get a veteran, like a Derek Carr, it sounds like I'm all about Derek Carr. I'm not, but like that kind of guy, <laughs> I like, like if, if they have a couple years with a dude like that, who's like, let's just say, you know, on a good day, like the 12th best quarterback in the league or something like to me, that could be a, a path to actually winning playoff games with this roster. So that's why I'm more in line with trying to go the veteran route, but it's easier said than done. And it's hard to forecast out that far. Oh yeah. And speaking of that caliber quarterback, there was a guy here before and people like to call Grant, the Kirk cousins apologist. And I'm going to tell you, I'm right there with you because that is the best quarterback that has played in this damn town since I've been a fan of the team in my 29 years of life, what do, do you, how do you feel that a lot of fans, they like hate you and have like a disdain for you because you like Kirk Cousins? Yeah, it's funny. Um, I, you know, I, uh, <laughs> it's a funny <laughs> thing. I get paid to have an opinion. Um, I have opinions that are generally backed by information, right? Either by way of my own research or um, sources that I have and people that I talk to within uh, the, the Washington football team organization and people all over football. Most of my opinions come from smarter football people than me, right? I'm not going to go out on a limb and say a guy can play or can't play based on me watching them at practice or something. I mean, I'm not a scout. Um, so that's generally kind of where I, um, establish my thoughts on players. Um, what happens a lot of times is if uh, fans disagree with you, they get angry at you. And I know, that's it's okay. weird. It's really weird. It's, it's like they don't you understand know, I, I your job. I think what it is, honestly, though, <laughs> real, it's a Twitter thing, you know, which is not real life to me. Like, 
people are really mean on Twitter and say terrible things. My wife's gotten off Twitter and whatnot. And that's fine. Like I have most of them muted. I don't see it. Um, but when I interact with human beings in, in the real world, like we have good conversations and we talk about stuff and um, nobody's that mean, you know, like Twitter is a, a weird <laughs> place. I don't really think it's real. I, I, I know people like personally that I have relationships with that'll bash the heck out of me in these little different um, like lunchroom tables that I call them like of like Washington football team fandom on, on social media where they, they need their brownie points from their friends or whatever. So they'll join on me uh, for an opinion, but yeah, I, I stand by, I mean, you know, people don't like me cause I didn't think Dwayne Haskins was going to work out here or because I didn't think Robert Griffin was, was going to work after uh, he decided not to run the offense in 2012. And I'll stand <laughs> by those things. I mean, I, you know, I, uh, they don't like me cause I thought Kirk cousins was a starting caliber quarterback. Um, that you should pay. You know, <laughs> exactly. I, uh, I, I'd say that so far, if, if you go back over a lot of the things that fans are mad at me about, and we, we see how they worked out years down the road, I'll stand by a lot of those opinions. Okay. I respect that take. I respect that take. Talk your shit, Grant. <laughs> but ultimately, with the Kirk thing, it's just emotion. Honestly, most of that stems from the fact that RG3 didn't work and it hurts the soul of people to have to admit that Kirk was better because I hate the whole narrative. Oh, he didn't want to play here. Why the hell would he have wanted to stay here? Like <laughs> with, with Bruce running a buck of this organization, I would have left and got my money to like people are mad that he chose money. Why wouldn't he choose money? We weren't winning shit here. Like, right. I don't understand. Well, so the, and the other thing is, it you know, to me, like, yes, I, I am a fan. We talked about that. Right. Mm -hmm. But I don't necessarily view it through the lens of like it, taking it personally. If, if a guy leaves, you know, uh, if a guy wants to be paid, this is a business and the team has to make a player feel wanted. You know, they have to um, get ahead of this. Like the Nationals are a good example right now. The Nationals you know, could have gotten ahead of Anthony Rendon or Trey Turner and paid those guys in advance, and, and they chose not to or weren't able to, and they left in the case of <laughs> Bryce Harper, Anthony Rendon. And, like, to me, I'm not going to be mad at Trey Turner or, or who got traded, obviously, different, but, like, Anthony Rendon because he left. No, I mean, he, he's not from here. He's got no reason necessarily to stay here. You know, as far as I'm concerned with Cousins, like, at the very end, in fact, if you go back, people like sleep on this. You know, I was not of the camp to pay him close to $30 million a year, which is mm -hmm. what it ended up at. My point mm -hmm. was always pay these guys before they break mm -hmm. out, like pay these guys before, you know, whether or not um, they're good. And your, your job is to know that, like you see them practice every day. He was in your building for years. I got people in my ear from past regimes, from the current regime, who are telling me this dude can play, this guy can start, he's going to be a top half of the league quarterback. Well, what are you waiting for then? Like you get to the end of 15, you win the division, and now you have a chance to sign this guy at a very reasonable rate. And like we talk about numbers, you, you go back six years ago to 15, and the numbers we're talking about that it's not worth to pay someone 20 million at quarterback. Josh <laughs> Allen just had one good season. He's making 43 million a year. I know it's crazy. That, it's that number has been doubled in six years. So exactly. It, it, it's just silly to me. We spend so much time talking about like, what, what is something worth? Do you want a guy that, that can play or you don't is the question. And if they find one, I hope that they take care of that guy really quickly next time. Absolutely. And I don't like to count NFL teams money because I understand the end of the day, 
salary cap can be manipulated to the will of the team that possesses it because the teams like the Saints who have like 60 million in deficit, they figure out ways to still sign top tier free agents. So I'm not worried about the money in Daniel Snyder's pocket or the team's salary cap looks like, but I'm a, I'm going to let you go in a little bit. I know I know you probably got to run. We got a preseason game coming up on Thursday. What players yeah. are you looking out for specifically, and who needs to make an impact to make sure they make this roster this preseason? All right, good question. So the Ami Brown for me, I'm really mm. intrigued by. Like, Damn. I want to see what this dude can do. I, I loved his game in college. Uh, I like this. The functional speed, right? He's not a burner comparative to, say, Curtis Samuel, who we haven't seen anything of, or uh, Terry McLaurin. But, you know, he's a guy who can run. I think he's a, a technician. He can run routes. I'd like to see how they're using him because, you know, he can play, I think, on the outside predominantly. But if he can kick into the slot, there might be an opportunity for him earlier this season. I would put him on that short list. It's easy, cop out, but I'm going to go Jamin Davis. Like the, My hopes for him are really high this year. Me too. Real, I think this guy could be a, a D-Roy candidate. I mean, it's been forever since we had back-to-back years where you had D-Roy types. <laughs> and after Chase Young last year, I, mean, I think he could make 115 tackles and, and pick up a half dozen sacks and, and be a, an impact player who creates some takeaways. So I want to see him, uh, assuming he gets some burn. I am intrigued to see Taylor Heineke, honestly. You know, I, I know earlier <laughs> I was talking about him. I'm, I'm not sold, obviously, as I said. I, I don't think he's a starter in this league, but I do want to see his control, his command of the offense. I think it'd be intriguing if he looked really good because then if Fitz does really struggle, it does make it more compelling to possibly have him in the bullpen. Um, so I'll be monitoring him. I didn't think uh, that much of like what I saw in the little bit of, of the practice work that I got to see, but – um, some of the reports coming out have been negative. So I want to see if he's a lights on guy. That could very well be the case. I think he is. Um, I think he's a gamer. It seems like it, right? I mean, th- what he did that playoff game is just one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Uh, honestly, Same. I mean, <laughs> it was crazy. It was electric. I'm, I'm like making jokes with my buddies like, oh, this is going to be brutal. And then he's running all <laughs> over the place. That was like the best quarterback game we've had in, in this town in years. In um, years, it was electrifying. Like, I, I did not know yeah. what was happening. Like, what are we doing right now? <laughs> it was a show, bro. It was great. Um, As, as far as a guy that needs a, a good game, I'm not going to say because of the bubble, but, like, I think there's a starting job to be had maybe for Sam Cosme. And we don't know yet, like, how much guys are going to play and who's playing a lot or who's not, right? I'm forecasting out kind of in the blind. But I think if Cosme gets a good look at right tackle, if he shows really well, penalty-free, you know, knocks out all of his assignments clean, makes a couple nice plays, gets to the second level and pushes some people around. I think there could be a path to him getting some week one run at right tackle because of all the time Lucas has missed. So that would interest me. I know um, based on other- I know based on what I've seen in Richmond, he has got 100 percent of the right tackle with the ones reps in Richmond. I mean, is that's a, that's surprising. But I wonder, <laughs> though, is that is that because Lucas was behind and then the COVID stuff, or is that because they think Cosme's that good? I don't know. They cut Moses. So that tells mm-hmm. you they, they clearly like the guy, I oh, would yeah. think. And then the last guy I'll throw out there is uh, Bobby McCain uh, in the secondary. When Rivera was on my show, I don't know why it might've been that he was just watching film on him or something, but like he was more willing to bring him up and like compliment him basically than like any other player on the team. And it might've been, we just caught him on a random day, but I, w- I haven't <laughs> forgotten. So they need a free safety. Like I, I love Cam Curl so much. Mm-hmm. I don't know him and Easy. Collins together, like how that works. So I, I think there's a chance that you could see 
mean, he was a part of a, a defense that set records for takeaways in Miami. Like, you could see him get a little burned. But the player I'm looking for specifically, I want to see St. Juice. I want to see St. Juice line up versus some NFL competition on the outside because Kendall Fuller, as good as he is, I think he is much better on the inside. And I think the plan taking him so high in the third round is to eventually get him opposite William Jackson and to kick Fuller inside. So I want to see St. Juice mix it up. And another player I'm looking for doesn't even play for our team. I want to see Mac Jones because that's one guy in the draft process. A lot of people beat him up, but I think he's going to be a really good starting quarterback. Just because he doesn't look good and has a dad bod with his shirt off doesn't mean he's not a smart, intelligent, um, very adequate quarterback. I'm interested to see Mac Jones play. He definitely has a dad bod. There's no doubt about that. Sure. <laughs> um, I, I like dudes like like that have that look like they don't spend a lot of time in the weight room. I got to be honest. I'm one of those guys. Now he's not. He didn't quite have my my bod's like whatever like a, a grosser dad bod would be. But um, but yeah, I want to watch him for sure. I'm with you on that. Um, he was a guy. If he would have fallen into their lap, I think that would have been tough to say no to. Exactly. As he was sliding down the board, you're like, wait a second is this a thing? Are they going to get him here? Like, is that really what's happening? Um, my dream would have been going all the way up to the board top three. And, and, you know, I really like Zach Wilson or, or Trey Lance would have been exciting for me. Somebody like that. I think Lance is going to be a, a, a problem just as an athlete on the outside. Oh, he's going to, he got picked to the right coach too. Oh my God. Oh, Kyle's going to do big things with him. I mean, that's <laughs> oh, going to yeah. be fun. That's that reminds me of like 2012 was one of my most favorite years ever. That's another oh, thing we we're talking earlier about the, the quarterbacks and Griffin and cousins. Like people act like I don't like Griffin. I mean, 2012 was the coolest year to be a fan of this team ever. Like I loved that season. I was on the beat. I was around. I, I still have a, a good, a decent relationship in, in my opinion with Robert Griffin. I texted him recently about, um, ESPN a gig. Yep. yeah, the, the ESPN gig. And I ho- hope he has a hell of a career doing that. Um, in 2012, they ran that offense, and if they would have kept doing that, he, I think he would have continued to have a lot of success. I, uh, and I think Trey Lance is going to, man. I think he's going to – that's the way the league is trending, right? It's like – and that's one area where, for me, I've kind of evolved in my – what I'm looking for in, in the quarterback for this team. I, I've always preferred, like, pocket passers, and, and you need guys that make plays from the pocket. But if you can't make plays with your feet in the, today's NFL, it's really, really hard. Like – yeah, Brady wins titles. He's different. Breeze, whatever. But you need a guy that, you know, can pick up 11 yards on like a third and eight just when the pocket's breaking down. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think Trey Lance is going to be that dude. OK, I think he's going to be that guy, too. And I was I, I honestly I wanted us to go up and get him. I thought the Niners were taking Mac Jones at three. I wanted us to go up to four to get Trey. That was like my draft crush for the longest. And when we didn't do so, it kind of hurt for a second, but the linebacker was a good choice. I got a couple lightning round questions for you and I'm going to let you go for the night. Spicy chicken sandwich rankings, power rank top three. What are your, what are your top three restaurants with spicy chicken sandwiches? I'm going to go Popeye's is the one seat. Hey, yes. There we Um, go. There we go. I'm going to go. I mean, maybe like a Bojangles two, mm. um, and KFC three, probably something like that. I got Zach. Have you had a Zaxby's? I've never had a Zaxby's spicy chicken you sandwich. Need to, you need to get. I'm gonna tell you. You need to get a Zaxby's, and if you come down to Woodbridge, go to Hot Chicken Kitchen. Have you been to Hot Chicken Kitchen yet? No, I got a brother that lives there, though. I'll have to look it up. It's uh, it's an authentic 
um, military and minority owned um, Nashville chicken spot and their sandwiches. I'm talking, they come with the homemade slaw and they drizz, they drench the chicken, a thick piece of chicken and they drench it in the sauce. And there's like eight different spice levels. It's like actual Nashville chicken. So you should definitely check that. Sounds that place incredible. It does sound incredible. What is your alcoholic beverage of choice? Um, if I'm just like out with buddies at a bar, kind of low key in it, I'll go Jack and Coke. But uh, old fashioned is my favorite drink. If I'm at a good bar, I'll get an old fashioned. Okay. Okay. I'm a wine guy myself. Okay. Give me a bold NFL prediction for 2021. It doesn't have to be Washington based. Something bold that you could see happening this year. I like that. Um, I'm going to say. Is it bold to say that the Bills won't win the East? Mm, I think that is bold. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Who's winning I, it? <laughs> uh, I think Miami. I'm not a big Tua guy or New England. I mean, that, as crazy as that sounds, maybe it's your boy Mac Jones. I don't know if it'll be uh, <laughs> on offense or what, but I just think Buffalo is going to be good, but they're going to cut like last year was a, a really, really special year. And I think they'll come back to the back. Okay. Uh, I think. I think Justin Fields is going to somehow get the Bears into like a wild card. Like, I think he's going to get this job at some point and he's going to come in and shred it because he has a huge chip on his shoulder because there's no reason he went in the teens in the draft. And that really was Ohio State. by It's Dwayne Haskins fault at the end of the day. And speaking of Dwayne Haskins, <laughs> last question. Who was the worst quarterback here in Washington? Dwayne Haskins Post 2012 RG3 or QB guru John Beck? <laughs> Ooh, that's tough. I, I think I'll go with Beck, maybe. I don't like the throwing my guy John Beck under the bus. We had him on my show recently because, as you he's, said, he's he, great. Coaches, he coaches <laughs> all these dudes up. I mean, there were some tough. Why? I, I went to London. <laughs> I had to get a passport. The Buffalo game. <laughs> yeah, the Buffalo game. I think it was 23 to nothing. I think Fitz actually, now that I think about it. It was Fitz. Fitz started for that game, didn't he? Um, he did. It's so funny. Uh, Beck got sacked, I think it was 10 times in that game, and they got shut out. I don't think Dwayne had that day. You know, he had some tough ones, but I don't know if he had that one. Uh, I feel for Dwayne. I think he's physically gifted. And he actually does remind me a little bit, just trait-wise, of Ben Roethlisberger. I, I even thought that before. Like, he is, you know, not obviously on the level of Ben. But I think that's a good landing spot for him. Hopefully it works out. You know, hopefully he uh, matures a little bit and, and grinds his way through it. But, um, yeah, I, I, I guess I would have to go. I don't know if I've seen anything quite like that Toronto experience. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that. I think it was 2014 game RG3 had against the Bucks was one of the worst quarterback yeah. games. I've like it was Tebow bad. It was so bad. It looked like he did not belong was that, in the wasn't NFL. It out of a bye week, or am I making that up? I believe it was out of a bye week, and I believe I, the that, next week was that that Niners week where he was weird at the press conference. <laughs> that that after the bye week thing was like alarming right that that was that was 14 you said i think it was 2014 yeah that was a year yeah, where all the had, quarterbacks played you had two weeks and i remember like talking to a couple of the players after that game and they were like oof don't like let's burn this film <laughs> like nobody needs to watch what we just <laughs> did on offense that was bad but 
I don't know, man. They didn't get shut out and get sacked 10 times. Oh, yeah, true. But I've, I don't think I've ever seen a coach go to the podium and shit on a quarterback the way Jay did after that Tampa Bay game. That was the, that was the game. Yeah, he learned a lot. I think that was a good lesson for him because he learned, like, you, you can't necessarily do that. You, or, or you can, <laughs> and you better know that that's kind of the end of the road in a relationship with somebody if you're going to go out there and do that. Um, but, yeah, I've never seen a coach eviscerate a player like that. He was clearly <laughs> mad at Griffin because if I remember correctly, Robert in his mind, whether it was fair or not, I think he didn't think Robert was taking enough of an onus on it himself. Kind of, he, he was like, Hey, this is about all of us. And Jay knew what had just happened, which was, it was a really tough game for him. But I think if he had it, I'm, I'm quite frankly, I know if, if Jay had it to do over again, he probably <laughs> wouldn't have uh, thrown as many haymakers that day. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I appreciate your time, Grant. Man, I appreciate you stopping by to chop it up with me. I got to meet you at the stadium the other night. And hopefully you're going to be seeing more of me during the season. I, it's my first time season ticket holder. Love what you guys do with the show. I think y'all have a good balance of analysis and shtick. Y'all are funny. You bring personality to the show. And I appreciate you stopping by, man. No, I appreciate you very much. Um, it's awesome to chat with you. Hit me up whenever. And yeah, I, I you know, people watch and listen and, hey, you can have different opinions with people and not hate them. Uh, we're all in this thing and, and like football and, uh, you know, got into this because we dig the team. And, you know, I'm just trying to uh, eat a chocolate chip cookie and, and uh, hang out with my kids and uh, watch <laughs> a little football. So it'll, we'll all be OK. Uh, if, if if someone has an opinion that you don't love, it's, it's going to be OK. Exactly. It does not always have to be adversarial, but I'm going to let it's you It's not have, that serious, right? It's, it's, it's it, really, it really isn't. We all have to wake up and live our lives the next day, but your job's going to get a lot better in a few months when Washington wins 11 games for the first time in my lifetime, man. You have a good night, Grant. I hope you're right. Everyone <laughs> says, oh, you guys want them to lose. You're crazy. I need them to win. It's good for business. Let's make business boom. If they do that, it'd be the first time in my lifetime as well. So let's do it. And that's going to conclude another episode of the Rambling About Washington podcast. Please make sure you check me out on all streaming platforms, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Google, Pocket Cast, Breaker, wherever you can find podcasts, check out Rambling About Washington with Rio. And make sure you hit the subscribe button, like button, and comment. Let's start some discussion on my videos on YouTube at the Rambling with Rio Robinson YouTube channel. And be sure to follow me on all social media platforms as well at Rio underscore Robinson 91 and at Raw Podcast W Rio. One more time. That's Raw Podcast W Rio and Rio Robinson on Facebook. Until next time, hail to the nameless football team. Deuces.